0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Walking with the Tengu, a podcast exploring classic texts for the modern martial artist. Today we're continuing chapter 3 of the 18th century work Tengu Geijutsu Ron, the Tengu Sermon on the Martial Arts by Isai Chozanchi. I really should have read the next section before finishing up the last episode. As one of the topics I left unanswered at the end was the topic of Suigetsu, which you may recall was translated by Wilson in the last episode as the metaphor of the moon in the water. Despite being left unsure as to which of the many translations or usages that Chozanshi might have meant, what I discovered was that in the immediate next section, he addresses that very question. So, Continuing on, one of the Tengu asks, what does the moon in the water mean? The Tengu who has been teaching the other responds by noting that there are a variety of different meanings to the term depending on the school, but that at its core this metaphor represents when you can move and respond with spontaneity and no mind, that is motion. The image here is of a moon being reflected in a body of water. Take a moment and imagine that. Maybe you're at the edge of a lake late at night, maybe while camping or at a cabin. The almost still water reflects the image of the moon. Both exist without thought or intention. Imagine a single full moon illuminated in the night sky, and a thousand rivers and streams, each containing a moon of their own. The light isn't divided before hitting the water, nor is the moon being reflected as soon as it is received by the water. It doesn't matter if it's reflected or not. Nothing changes about the moon itself. It doesn't choose what reflects it either. Chozanshi states, From this, you should be awakened to the mysterious function of the essence of the mind. I think what Chozanshi is getting at here, and what the term and metaphor of Suigetsu is communicating, is that there is a state one can achieve through serious training and conditioning where one is able to act before you even consciously realize what you're doing you don't think about it. Often you don't even realize what you've done in your conscious mind until after it is done. I've had this happen a few times myself. I'm not even that good, so I have to think for people at the upper edge of training, it is something even more familiar. Like the moon reflected in water, you move, act, shut down, counter your opponent with a spontaneity and lack of conscious thought that can at times seem almost prescient. The Tengu extends the metaphor here, talking about the clarity or muddiness of the water reflecting the moon. The color and shape of the moon itself, though he notes that while the mind has none of these things, this is all just a metaphor that uses something easy to see. We should not become overly attached to the metaphor, reading too much into it and extrapolating excessive details from a simple illustration that isn't meant to be any deeper than it is. He warns That when we do this, we chisel away at the mind. I see this from time to time in the martial arts. A small little inconsequential detail, sometimes just a cultural nuance, is used to extrapolate whole philosophies by Westerners intent on seeing the mysterious, esoteric, and profound in what is really just the mundane in an Asian culture. It would be like finding spiritual significance and a morality for life in the nature of proper place settings at a Western dining room table. The salad fork placed here on the outside symbolizes honor, and the dinner fork placed on the inside represents the penetrating perseverance of commitment in honor. If we were to extrapolate spiritual practices from the placement of the knife and the spoon on the opposite side of the plate, the illustration of how far this silliness can go would be complete. And so we can see that Chozanshi warns us against reading too deeply into metaphors, into simple illustrations and symbols, as this practice reduces our mind. Continuing on, another tengu chimes in asking about another term that is common across the Japanese martial arts, here translated as remaining mind in Japanese zanshin. This is one I found in numerous places, Aikido kendo, iaido, traditional jiu-jitsu, and in modern combatives. But we'll get to that in a moment. First, let's hear the Tengu's response. This refers only to the point where the essence of the mind is not affected by one's technique and does not move. When the essence of the mind does not move, action and response are clear. Everyday human affairs are just like this. Clear as mud, right? Well, let's dig into it, because this is one of those concepts that can't really be taught in a martial arts class directly but that you can practice both in and outside of class, and in everyday life, and will impact every single potentially combative situation you will ever face. Chozashi has the Tengu further clarify by telling us that we must be unobstructed, no matter the circumstances or direction, and that by inserting our mind, we divide it into two, become unclear and fighting blindly. He says that, quote, clarity is born from the unmoving essence of the mind. And then there is simply striking with clarity and thrusting with clarity. This is difficult to discuss. If you understand it poorly, it will result in great harm. End quote. What does this have to do with zanshin, often translated as the remaining mind, and what might that mean itself? As usual, let's turn to David Hall's Encyclopedia of Japanese Martial Arts, wherein he defines zanshin with two entries, the first being combative awareness, a state of focused, extended vigilance before during, and after execution of a technique or combative form. And the second, physical and mental domination of an opponent. This is a good time for a story representing what this means. For that, we're going to turn to Rory Miller's Meditations on Violence, a book that I strongly recommend every single martial artist read. Heck, I would go so far as to say that unless you're planning to just do martial dancing, anyone that is either practicing or considering practicing a martial art must read this book. It lays the context with which to think critically on just about anything that comes up on your path in any martial art. In the early part of this book, during a discussion on the many different kinds of violence that exist, Miller addresses a kind of social violence he terms the monkey dance. This is typically seen between males and as an expression of dominance as opposed to predatory violence. He brings up Zanshin, a state of calm, cool confidence bred through awareness and experience that can be felt by one's potential opponent on a subconscious level. This is a bit of a paradox here as one cultivates awareness, maintaining focus, but without becoming hyper-focused, missing out on what is happening around you. A useful passive skill for when one finds themselves in a one-on-one confrontation to be aware of when that transitions to potentially include additional participants. If you become hyper-focused, you'll miss the extras, jumping into the combative equation. Miller equates the word zanshin to our English word cool, as in, a person can be cool under fire, or cool-headed, or just a cool dude. In all cases, it is a projected aura of competence. Which brings us to the story. Miller says, My first professional experience in this field was working as a bouncer in a casino. We were escorting a foul-mouthed drunk out, and he turned and swung. I ducked, and he connected solidly with my partner. Two hot young martial artists versus a drunk, and it turned into a wrestling match under the roulette table. Our boss came down from his coffee break. Jim was old, he'd retired from the military as an MP, and then retired from a police force. He'd come to work as a shift supervisor in the casino simply because he couldn't imagine not working. He came down the stairs with, <clears throat> with a cigarette dangling from his lip, a full cup of coffee in his hand, and casually walked over and knelt on the drunk's neck. The drunk went limp. Jim took a sip of his coffee and said, You boys think you've got this from here? Then he went back upstairs to finish his pie. He didn't spill his coffee. Jim was cool. Jim had zonshin. This is a great example of both of David Hall's definitions of zanshin in his encyclopedia. When the Tengu tells us that when we have clarity born from the unmoving essence of the mind, this is how I interpret what is being said. Cultivating zanshin in your daily practice, both on and off the mats, inside and outside of class, is one of those very philosophical concepts that sets apart the expert from the hobbyist. If we simply train a bunch of physical techniques and never train our minds in the combative awareness capacity mixed with the intentional confidence that is Zanshin, it is very likely we will find ourselves disappointed and possibly even overly fearful when considering the actual use of our skill sets. Hence, the Tengu ends with, this is difficult to discuss. If you understand it poorly, it will result in great harm. We would all do well to spend some time and thought on this. Naturally, then, one might ask, how can I develop Zanshin in my practice? I would argue that this is something you can do in almost anything you do. The intentionality and relaxed awareness of Zanshin could be practiced when eating our food, washing our dishes, or just about any other mundane task. However, that misses the need to practice it also while under stress and in moments of elevated heart rate. Your training is thus an obvious time to practice Zanshin. For many of us though, this might seem antithetical to our normal training method, well, obviously if we haven't even been thinking about it. To illustrate a simple method of developing zanshin, let's turn to a manual of Eishinryu Iaido. Iaido is most often simply the practice of drawing a sword. Sometimes there isn't even any practice of cutting with the sword, sometimes there is. For our purposes though, and for many of the modern combative practitioners, this may seem strange to find something quote-unquote practical in an art like Iaido. Yet, here we are. Ru recommends that Zanshin means reserved spirit and refers to the dignity and power of the advanced martial artist. Such a person seems to radiate a kind of quiet power, suggesting a greater spiritual power beneath the surface. This is the kind of poise that one should strive to acquire in Iaido practice, and it should be especially noticeable at the beginning of a technique, before any movements are made, and at the end, when the focused energy shown during the technique seems to linger the intermediate and advanced students of Iaido should practice pausing for one or two seconds after major motions in a technique, while continuing to focus concentration. In time, the quality of zanshin will begin to develop. Quote. In my own art of choice, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I often practice this very same thing by executing a technique, solidifying my position, and then holding that for a moment, aware of where others on the mat are and what my training partner is doing. Depending on the day, sometimes I do this very poorly, allowing my mind to wander, but even then in the realization of this lapse, the bringing back of awareness to the present moment is an act of training. Better out there on the mats with my training partners and friends than in a moment of crisis. Your art may be very different from either iaido or jiu-jitsu, but I suspect that with time you too will be able to find ways to practice zanshin in your own art. When you do, remember the Tengu's words. This refers only to the point where the essence of the mind is not affected by one's technique and does not move. When the essence of the mind does not move, action and response are clear. Everyday human affairs are just like this. All right, that's all for today. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review or a rating wherever you find your podcasts, so as to help the show reach more people like yourself. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you'd like to hear more, go to patreon.com slash walking tengu to help cover the cost of making this podcast. Even the smallest amount helps. Thank you for listening and talk to you again soon.